We read again in the Gospel of Luke and chapter 24. My thanks on Jules to those who looked after us today. Appreciated the fellowship and particularly the food. Just thank you for that. Reading from Luke 24 from verse 13. Now that same day, that is the day of resurrection, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things? he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied, He was a prophet, powerful in in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it, just as the woman had said. But him they did not see. He said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It's true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them. Then he broke the bread. Then when they were still talking together, Jesus appeared in their midst. We thank the Lord for the sacred record that we have in his word of these great events. We're at a disadvantage this evening because you and I live at a considerable distance beyond resurrection. And something of the immediacy of these events 
we can sometimes lose. We become familiar with the story, but forget about the impact of the reality. And I wonder if I may, just for a moment or two, and I'll be finished by half past seven, but just for a moment or two to reflect on this particular evening and this particular couple. Cleopas had a wife called Mary, and it appears very likely that she was the other half of this couple who were traveling on their way home, these seven miles from Jerusalem to the little village of Emmaus. I know some of you have been there. It's no longer a little little village, but it was in the time when our Lord Jesus was here. And they were walking along about a two-hour journey or thereabouts. And as they walked, they were really, really fed up. The scripture says they were downcast, and it means all that that means. They had no light on their horizon. And even though they had heard something of the good news of that particular morning, it hadn't impacted them. It hadn't actually made a real difference. And they were in the the point of discussing these various events that had happened over the previous days. And let me just touch on one or two things here. Um, You'll notice that in verse 15, you have the little phrase, Jesus himself, and I much prefer the AV translation, drew near and went with them. Jesus himself drew near and went with them. He arrived uninvited. It would not be uncommon, of course, to join yourself to the others who were traveling along on the same road. But the fact that it was Jesus himself was uncommon. Indeed, as far as we know, this was the only journey uh, on this particular day where Jesus himself drew near and went with anybody. I often wonder why the Lord chose to reveal himself to these two. It's hard to explain how Jesus joins himself to us, isn't it? There's been a time in your life almost certainly when you came to faith in him. But to explain why it happened is an extremely difficult thing. There was that awareness, that sense that God was speaking into your life and Somehow, you thought, it's time, it's time I met with the Christ. And for these two, he draws near. I would suggest to you, for most of us, that has been our experience. At the most unexpected of times, the Christ draws near. They stood still. You need, really, don't you, to spend time standing still. I think sometimes we we get so busy. In fact, I've been talking to a number of people today just about that. We get so busy that we forget that actually the only thing we've got is time. That's how we spend it. It's important. And it's important at times just to stop. What are you discussing as you walk along? You only a visitor to Jerusalem? You don't know what's been going on. Not understand that these momentous events are placarded amongst the whole of the population. 
that Jerusalem has been really crowded at this time because it's Passover. Do you not recognize that in the 800,000 or so uh, folk that have been here, there has been this momentous event? Are you not aware that some of the greatest things that we don't understand have happened? And we're trying to get our heads around it. And this particular topic of conversation, as you will recognize, suddenly becomes integrated into the person in Christ, of Christ and his revelation of what all those events were about. I've often thought that this must have been the, the most brilliant Bible study ever held. You know, this fact of the, of the Savior beginning to talk to them from all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. You know, the, the preeminence of the Lord Jesus. You're dull of understanding and you're slow of heart. Let me tell you what it's all about. Let me just share with you something of what these events mean. Let me talk to you about the patriarchs, those ancient folk of a bygone generation who began to follow, and some of them were following and they didn't know where they were going. They were moving because they saw a city which had foundations whose builder and maker was God. But in the meantime, they were living in tents and they were looking forward with rapid attention to the future, as Hebrews 11 reveals to us. He's disentangling the scriptures. He must have spoken to them about the Passover lamb and its meaning, mustn't he? Mustn't he have talked to them about how the lamb died in order that a people might go free as long as the blood was applied as instructed by the Lord of heaven? He must have talked to them of other types in relation to the other sacrifices that were offered. Must have talked to them about the peace offering and the offering for sin, the sin offering. He must have talked to them about the fellowship offering and how men were brought into a position of peace with God from the book of Leviticus. I'm sure he must have talked to them about the tabernacle and the temple, those meeting places where God had promised to meet with his people under certain conditions. I'm sure he talked to them about the songs that were sung, the psalms written so long ago, and the importance of them in relation to the revelation of the Christ. And those who were deliverers, those who were judges, those who were kings, those who were prophets, those who were priests, wouldn't you love to just have eavesdropped on that and recognize something of the one who is King of Kings and Lord of Lords as he expounded the scriptures to them? I'm sure the miles pass quickly. And you can see the two of them as the Christ begins to move away from them. And they say to him, come and spend some time with us. That's so often our reaction when we come to know the Lord. And sometimes you feel so close, you would just like to stay there for a while, wouldn't you? Lord, don't leave me for a while, just stay with me for a while longer. And let's chat together. And they constrain him as the word. It's almost the thought of taking hold off and saying, look, we don't want to lose you. We don't want you to leave us. We want you to stay close. And so they invite him into their home and the Savior agrees to come. And you'll notice what happens in the verses that follow it. Verse 
verse 28, verse 29. They urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening and the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. Look as full of folk who stay with Christ or whom Christ approaches and say, I need to abide at your house. And one of the things I think we need to re-grasp as Christian men and women that is this, this Lord does never want to distance himself for, from us. You know, as the old wayside pulpit said on one occasion when I was driving down into Cornwall and I was stopped at a set of traffic lights, if the Lord seems far away, guess who's moved? If the Lord seems far away, guess who's moved? He has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He's always abiding with us. Indeed, that's part of his teaching to his disciples in John 15. And, you know, this whole scenario as presented to us is so true to fact, isn't it? I want you to stay with us. I want you to stay close to us. And then they invite him as hosting the meal. When he was at the table, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. There's a sense in which each time we come to the breaking of bread or to the Lord's Supper or to the communion, that it's the Lord himself who dispenses it to us. He he says to you and me, this do in remembrance of me. It's the act which is the statement of remembrance. You know, the act is not separate from remembering. The act demonstrates that we are remembering. And when we do this, we show the Lord's death till he come. It's a demonstration. It's a practical statement of the fact that we are in communion with him, that we break bread together with him and with one another. And as he begins to give it, and you'll notice it's he who gives it, that the scripture says in verse 31, Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. Three elements. As the Savior opened the bread to them, as he opened it to them, their eyes were opened. I want to be blunt. I'm not often blunt. But I want to be blunt tonight. Have our eyes been opened tonight to the risen Savior? You know, it's very important at a moment like this when we share communion that we get the Lord off the cross and out of the tomb. We need to recognize in his death that he accomplished that which God appointed him to accomplish. He made redemption. He made a way back for us. But as we break the bread, it's because we're, may I use the term carefully, on the other side of the cross. The cross has had its effect on us. We, we know his redemption. We know we've been brought into this relationship with the Lord Jesus. We know that he's part of our experience. Therefore, by definition, we meet him as the living Lord around the table. So when we break the bread, we're not putting the Savior back on the cross. When we break the bread, we're demonstrating our faith in him 
as the one who has taken our place in the giving of his body for us. And, you know, to, to recognize this is to bring joy to this feast. It's to delight our hearts in Christ. It's to have an awareness of him which is expanding and developing. And these men, or this man and woman, had walked with the Savior for two hours. But they hadn't recognized that he was alive. They hadn't recognized that, that this one who walked with them was the one who had been crucified. Even though they had heard, as they say in their reiteration of the events of the Lord Jesus, we had heard that the woman came back and they said, his body's not there, he's gone. And there were those there who told us he has risen. But it wasn't real. It wasn't into their experience. So their eyes needed to be opened. They needed to have this, this glimpse of the risen Christ. And then the scripture says, not just that their eyes were opened, but that they recognized him. They recognized who he truly was. That's the force of what Luke's saying. As the suddenness dawning, it's him. You know, I don't know any other way to express it. You know, it's him. He's here. He's alive. He's with us. And he's been breaking this bread before us. And he is who he said he was always. He is who he is. I am that I am, as the scripture says so frequently elsewhere. They recognized him. And then he disappeared. Now, what would you have done? Was this a mirage? Well, it can't have been because the broken bread's here on the table. Was this real? Well, it must have been because our hearts burned in us as he talked to us on the way. It was a real experience. It wasn't some sort of ethereal thing. And his disappearance at this point in time was not significant to them. When they go back to the disciples, as we see in a moment, they didn't talk about his disappearance. They talked about his appearance. They talked about the fact that they'd seen the Savior. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? I was asking myself the question earlier this week, is that part of my experience when I have the privilege of opening the scriptures? Did I get effervescent? Do I have this sense of being consumed by the things that I'm reading so that they become part of my very person? Not just something to preach, but something to experience, to recognize that warmth of the immediacy of the presence of Christ. Were not our hearts strangely warmed? When John Wesley came to faith in that little chapel so many years ago, that was his experience. And if you look at his journals, he just uses a phrase, my heart was strangely warmed. Faith in Christ has a warming rather than a chilling experience. Faith in Christ has this sense of coming home, has this sense of Christ abiding with us, has this awareness that from day to day his purposes are ongoingly going to be fulfilled in us and through us. You notice the importance of opening the Scriptures. 
But you'll recognize the significance too of being at a communion service. The Lord commanded his disciples that they go and teach all nations, making disciples, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. This is one of the Savior's command. And it pains me, and I say this carefully, that so many Christians find it only a casual necessity to break bread together. This, this is a precious thing. This is something which the Lord demands of us. He doesn't ask very much, does he? Believe and be baptized, but then remember me. And when we do it, do you not find that your heart is strangely warmed because you spent a minute or two thinking about the, the Savior and his work and the fact that he's alive? So what did they do? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. And it wasn't oh, another six mile, seven mile walk. I'm sure they bounced along that track on the way back. And they were walking uphill. Those of you who have been to Emmaus will recognize that. But I'm sure they walked uphill real quick. And they got back to the upper room. And look what they say. You know, I just love this. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true. The Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. So Peter had somehow or other had this personal experience of the Lord Jesus. And he had come back and had said to these fellow disciples, he said, Listen, the Lord's alive. He's talked with me. I met with him. He's appeared to Simon. And then the two told them what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. One of the most significant things in our Christian experience is to share our awarenesses of the Lord Jesus. There's nothing like it. And you will be truly surprised if you just say to someone in the hours that follow, you know, I met with the Lord in a special way. The Lord spoke to me about so-and-so, and I know I've really got to do something about that. My dad used to say, if you waken in the middle of the night, the Lord probably wants you to pray for somebody. And if you waken in the night, middle of the night and pray for whoever the Lord wants you to pray for, you'll not be long getting back to sleep. That was his sort of theory of short nights. And on occasions I found it very helpful. But, you know, this whole question of, of wanting to get to folk, wanting to share with them what the Savior has done for you and done in you, is hugely important. Personal testimony is the thing which the Lord uses most frequently to bring other men and women to Christ. Did you know that? It's not sermons. It's people sharing face to face about what the Lord means to them. And as these two went back, they were given this little glimpse of the fact that the Lord had appeared to Simon. If they hadn't gone that night, they wouldn't have heard that. And while they were there, and this is the beauty of this passage, read the verses that follow. While they were there, the Lord appears. And suddenly the confirmation of what they had been sharing with the disciples and the others in the upper room, the confirmation is there in front of the disciples as well as as the Lord meets with the gathering together of his followers in this open room. 
And you have this layer upon layer of confirmation about the fact of the resurrection, this greatest fact in human history, the fact of the resurrection of Jesus Christ after his death. And it's the, it's the substance of our faith. Derek has emphasized that in the verses that he read earlier from 1 Corinthians 15. My dear brothers and sisters, if you have met with the Lord Jesus and you know him to be alive in his name, share your experience of Christ with others. Don't be afraid. Because it's real, isn't it? You know, it's not stuff you're making up in your head. It's stuff that's been happening to you in recent days. And if you share with folk what's happening with you in recent days with the Lord Jesus, it will affect them and it will be a real blessing to you. Imagine how these two felt just sharing this simple story about suddenly recognizing the Lord in the breaking as he broke the bread and then suddenly the Lord's there and he's confirming all that has been said and all that has happened during this glorious day of resurrection. As I say, it's a disadvantage in some ways to be living 2,000 years after the resurrection. But in another way, it's great because we have Christian testimony of a Christian testimony. Millions upon millions upon millions upon millions who have found faith in Christ to be transforming. Your own testimony to share with others. This, this joy which the Lord brings to us, which is inexpressible and full of glory. The Lord bless you. Enjoy the rest of the day and share something of your faith in Christ with someone else. Let's pray, shall we? Father, we thank you that when the Lord Jesus came, you gave him a body that you had prepared for him. And we praise you that after his birth and ongoing until his death, everything that he did brought you glory. And we want to praise you that in the reality of our experience of the Lord Jesus, there has never been a day when we felt deserted or when we felt that he had let us down. We thank you that in everything we can say as we look back, thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for making me whole. Thank you, Lord, for giving to me this great salvation, so rich, so free. We bow in your presence, risen Lord, and exalt your name and ask it in your grace. You will help us to live for you in the days ahead in your will. Amen.